Into it. Into it. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. To, uh, welcome to Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Just making sure I'm connected here. Yep. Uh, tonight we're on episode 244 and kind of a double whammy here for you tonight. I want to talk a little bit about cold weather fire just to get everybody back on the same page because we are rolling into winter and of course fall it's wet and it's, everything's damp and cold now. So just some refreshers for people out there and then we thought we'd talk a little bit about some of the Black Friday sales that are going on here. There's some great gear out there going on some good prices um, and honestly it's coming into Christmas. You know what I mean? It, it's crazy to think Christmas is literally in what 33 more days? Which sounds like, oh, 33 days away. Yeah. But you know what? Trying to buy gifts for people and stuff like that, 33 days goes by in a really big hurry. Basically a month. If you don't have your Christmas gift stuff bought in a month, you're now like fighting traffic and 800 people at the mall. It's not going to be good for you. Yeah, absolutely. And frankly, this is a good time of year to actually get a lot of bushcrafting stuff and things too. You know what I mean? Because there is a lot of big sales coming on. The Black Friday sales, I find for outdoorsy gear, and you know, other people may disagree with this opinion, but I do find the Black Friday sales for outdoor gear tend to be better than Boxing Day sales. You know what I mean? Boxing Day always gets into like tech stuff is what I find. That's where you get the yeah. real good deals on tech stuff is Boxing Day. Now, Black Friday seems to be a lot more outdoor gear on a lot better deals. Not that you're not going to get some on Boxing Day and other, you know, other sales that are going to be good prices, but Black Friday has a really great lineup of some good stuff, and a lot of big companies participate in this. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like a few years ago they were better. I don't know. We'll see. See what the next few years have to give us. I agree that they were probably better a few years ago, but on the flip side of that, playing devil's advocate... The cost of everything has gone up so much now. I don't know what's a good deal and what's not a good deal anymore. You know what I mean? Prime example, and I know we're kind of jumping ahead in topic here, but I'm cool with that. Canadian Tire. Not not picking on Canadian Tire as a specific store. I'm just using them as an example because I know all stores do this. I have um, a Henicle, I think that's how you say it, uh, knife set. You know what I mean? If you look at their everyday price... They're around like $8.99 to over $1,000. I got mine on sale at Canadian Tire for $3.99. You know what I mean? You can't tell me they're dropping from $1,000 to $3.99 on an average of like five to six times a year and taking that kind of a loss, which makes me think these stores can probably sell this stuff on the normal for significantly less anyway, <laughs> which always kind of makes you feel ripped off. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a few sales that have come on. They call the loss leaders, where they sell something at a loss to get you in, hoping you're going to buy something else that's that makes up for it. Well, that was always the idea of door crashers, wasn't it? Same idea. Loss leaders, they, or just something they got on a really good sale where they, maybe they got a decent deal, but they're still willing to sell it for a loss, hope, hoping that when you come in, you'll see other things on sale and thinking, oh, there's good deals here, and now you're going to buy stuff that wasn't quite the deal as everything else and they still can make good money but either way you spent less than you were going to so can you really complain mm. uh, but yeah yeah so um yeah the two things we're going to talk about obviously today uh 100 percent is a little bit of uh you know um christmas shopping uh black friday shopping and fire and yeah maybe we should just get the fire out of out of the way um 
So specifically cold weather fire, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, this is going to be quick. It's just, once again, it's that time of year. People need to be thinking about it. It's a little different than making a fire in the summer. Of course, in the summer, you have to make sure your fire doesn't get away. In the winter, you have to make sure you can actually get a fire going. Uh, and once again, folks, this is just quick. It's dirty. It's a reminder getting your head in the right space for this. If you want more information on this topic, I think we've done several episodes on different aspects of what I'm going to cover here tonight. But the basic thing for me, and I'll really compound it down, is you're going to have to build the fire a little different because you are going to be dealing with dampness. I would suggest you maybe lean away from the non-guaranteed fire methods. So winter is not a great time to try and do a hand drill. I can tell you that much. You know what I mean? Uh, one, the materials are almost impossible to find even in good weather. And two, the humidity that plays into that. It's just hard to do. So friction fire, things like that. Maybe it's not going to be your go-to in the winter. Uh, I move well. I mean, I always carry a Bic lighter. Don't get me wrong. You know, flick a Bic. At the end of the day... It's just a guaranteed fire. <laughs> I I love trying friction fire and using my ferro rod uh, and flint and steel and stuff like that. It's all fun, but I can guarantee you there's always a Bic lighter in my fire kit. Because at the end of the day, if I start getting tired, and you and I have experienced this, Ben, we tried making a friction fire. And a couple hours later, we gave up on that friction fire. Uh, materials weren't great. Humidity was up. It just, what we were getting tired, you know what I mean? And it was getting wait so you grab the big lighter and within 10 minutes we had a fire going and we're sitting beside it so there is something to having a big lighter and the other thing i like about bics like the old style bic and i thought i had one here but obviously it is now no longer on my desk um they're easy to use with limited dexterity you know what i mean and i'm talking like the old oval shaped ones with just the plain roller wheel on it First thing I yeah. do with mine, and I don't know if you folks out there are going to do the same thing, but what I do is I rip that childproof little steel spring off the top of it, fire it straight in the trash. Because <laughs> once again, I want to make sure I have every guarantee to use this lighter to start a fire out in the woods, and sometimes with those childproof little metal springs on them, uh, if your hands start getting cold, they can start, you know, really causing you ish issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was looking at it because I thought I had an easy reach, but I don't. I've been playing with this plasma lighter. Have you played with those yet? They're rechargeable. I've seen them, have not gotten one as of yet. I got one of the, you know, like torchy butane ones that's supposed to spew out these massive flames that are super hot. And I find they yeah. work good for the first month or so, and then they just start getting real iffy. This is the no the more that's it's plasma. So you hit the button. It's a battery. There's no fuel. Uh, it it creates a spark that can ignite paper and 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 uh, other small flammables, and uh, it's it's worked out pretty good. Now the one complaint, if I have a complaint about it, is every time I light it up, my daughters complain because they, they can, can hear the high pitch noise. Yeah, I can't, but they can. So it's all going to see. Uh, but you can get those and those at uh, a local drugstore the other day, and they had a flashlight, I think, put out by UCO. Yeah, UCO, and uh, it has the back of the flashlight opens up, and it has a plasma lighter in the back, and it's two streams that cross. So just an idea. I mean, a lot of us are carrying. Um, power banks anyway so it's something that's quickly rechargeable it's an option um 
if you're looking for that stuff. But yeah, you want something that's going to create a positive heat source to light the fire. And like you say, friction in the cold and wet has its it has its issues. And, Not that uh, it can't be done. No. It just takes a lot more effort, and there's a lot more luck involved. In all honesty, there's definitely skill, yeah. but I never rely on a friction fire in the winter. I can tell you that much. And I guess on that note, it's also a good time of year, like uh, Danny joined us from Red Sand Adventures. He always carries a few fire cubes on him. Great for getting a fire started. It's not a bad idea, especially in the wetter and colder months, to take some, like, guaranteed fire methods. Not only the lighter, but, you know, things as simple as, um, I'm trying to think what the, I always just called them fire starters, but you take basically a uh, egg carton, you know, that kind of cardboardish egg carton. Everybody has those. Uh, stuff the individual cubes, or not cubes, but, you know, holes with lint from your dryer. And yeah, twist some up whatever. into a little bit of a wick, drip some candle wax on them. Those things burn for like 20 minutes. You can get a lot of stuff set on fire in 20 minutes with constant flame. Man, I have had really good luck if you don't even want to go through that effort, because there's some effort to that. I've had really good luck. Go five bucks at Ikea or almost any dollar store, Gists, I was in there the other day, any of these big department stores, and buy tea lights. Yeah. Tea lights will burn for two to three hours, I think. Like they, they go for a long time. And it's a small, steady flame, but the same thing that comes out of your lighter. But you put that in, you put your little bit of loose brush and stuff over top of it, leave a little hole so you can open it, and you build your fire over the top of that and leave it alone, and it it will go until basically that fire lights up. Uh, and you'll get a little chimney effect going right up the middle, so even if it's a bit damp, it'll dry, it's going to light. You're going to have good opportunity. And if nothing else, it's a light source. And a tea light goes for a decent amount of time. Um, no, 100%. So uh, Dave, Real Big Monkey one uh, quick comment says, people that know how to use a hand drill know not to depend on it. And I don't know about down there in the South, Dave, uh, like, you know, the U.S., but I can tell you here, Eastern Canada, there is like two materials, period, in this province that you can turn into a hand drill. Uh, there's stuff you can try. There's only two things that I've ever had luck with, and one is bull rush or cattail, whatever you want to call it, and the other is mullen. But mullein is not a, uh, a native plant to Nova Scotia, to my knowledge. Uh, it There is some here, but it kind of came in on birds or was introduced or something like that. Anyway, the stuff is like hen's teeth to try and find. Uh, as much scouring around Nova Scotia as I've done, I think I found like two patches of mullein the entire time I've been out in the woods. So I don't depend on it at all. My go-to is cattail and either a fur uh, hearthboard or a pawpaw hearthboard. Actually, I've had way better luck with pawpaw, to be honest with you. Fur has a lot of resin in it. It's hard to get the pressure right uh, and not break your spindle. But anyway, the whole other story. Like Dave said, those that know how to use a hand drill don't generally rely on a hand drill. Uh, now, that being said, there's a lot of people that can make a hand drill successful every time. But they got a little better materials. Not that I'm trying to complain or make excuses for myself. I'm sure I could develop my form a lot better. But uh, anyway, it, it's not my go-to in cold months. I save stuff like that for the warmer months where if it goes bad, mm. worst case is I'm out some light. You know what I mean? I'm not depending on that to stay warm. 
uh, or anything like that. So I, I love to play around with hand drills, bow drills, uh, V plows, like you name it. But I try to save it for the warmer months or when I, excuse me, when I know I have that guaranteed method in my bag. So yeah, I may play with one in the winter. But after so long, I'm probably just going to grab the Bic lighter and light that fire up and use my fire starter. Now, the other side of this is, yes, make sure you got material. Yes, make sure you have a good source of ignition. A lot of people, and we've talked about this at length before, so it's only a touch on it. They forget to build a platform bed. Uh, a lot of the ground is a lot more moist. It holds a lot more moisture. If you're trying to build it on snow, it's impossible. Well, not impossible, but it's incredibly hard to build a fire directly on top of snow unless you put some sort of platform down to give it that separation uh and even on the ground even if it's not snow it just happens to be humid and it's damp out there'll be a lot of moisture that's pulled out of that ground and go into your finer fuels and tinder and stuff like that and make creating a fire just a nightmare so it's always good to lay down some sort of platform so just keep that in mind folks if you're out there building uh, a fire in the winter or in damp weather or anything like that Try and separate yourself from the ground a little bit. A lot of people try to use a rock. The reality is a rock holds a lot of moisture too. You know what I mean? Not not only that, it acts like a giant heat sink. Exactly. Um, that was what I was thinking. A, a decent rock does act as a heat sink. Whenever we lit a fire in the winter, we would take a larger log, split it a couple of times, and lay those out and build your fire on top of that. It acts like it says a raft. Um, and that's my go-to. Get some like four inch sticks, split them in half, round sides down. That way your bark and stuff's already next to the ground. It's the damper spot anyway. And hopefully you're getting to that dry inner core of stuff. Build your fire on that. And you kind of half build an upside down fire, but not really. <laughs> yeah. No, no, for sure. I uh, I just quickly looked and I sent you a link to it. Um, tea lights. I found it anywhere between three and six hours. You can buy 200 for about... Holy snap. Three bucks. Yeah, that is awesome. 23 bucks. Uh, see if I can pull it up on here. Web browser? Nope. Full browser. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, yeah, there's 200 there. And what is it? 22.86 Canadian. Uh, this yeah. is a Black Friday deal, which great lead into our next thing. Um, yeah, this is a really good deal. Is that Canadian or is that American? That's Canadian. And. And that sale, it's a Black Friday sale, but it's normally only 28 bucks. I was going to say, anyways. regular price is still under 30 So, I mean, you're talking less than $0.30 cents for something that will provide you with three hours of solid flamage. Um, you know, it's it's you can get a really good deal on tea lights. And honestly, I throw them in my bag like candy. I throw a few in here, a few in there, a few in the vehicle. It's one of those, It's a, to me, it's a safety thing. There's so much you can do with it. You can use the wax to lubricate your zippers and stuff if you need to or to waterproof something. Um, and, you know, all these homemade fire starters, I used to melt these down for that. And also, like, the, the forever matches that people have, which I think I have a few of those laying around somewhere. Um, you can make it out of that wax, too. So... You can use it for a lot of stuff, but honestly, as is, it's a pretty solid option. No, 100%. So once again, folks, I, I I mean, 15 minutes worth of fire talk, I think that's enough because we have covered this in extent in previous episodes. And I highly encourage you, if you guys want to 
get a little bit more information on that, by all means, jump back, check it out. I mean, right back to the start of this. I think within the first 15 episodes, we did an episode right on fire. And then we did a couple more on specifics of fire as we moved ahead. Uh, so just catching up on comments here. Dave, we have about 10 plants, but our humidity is always very high. So once again, with friction fires, that is the killer. Uh, Nomad, in wet and cold conditions is where you need a fire kit, not just a lighter. As in, you need options. Uh, not only just in wet and cold weather, although that, you know, magnifies or multiplies it for sure. You should always have a couple options with you. John Doe from Florida. Uh, I don't have many fires in the summer. Who wants to add heat when the humidity? <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing. I've actually been down in Florida just outside of St. Petersburg uh, during winter. And uh, it was, I think we had like four feet of snow here in Nova Scotia. Uh, I was doing some long haul trucking at the time, team driving with my dad. I called back to Mel and she was complaining about all the snow and stuff. And I'm sitting down there and like... 32 degrees celsius which whatever that's going to be in fahrenheit i'm sorry folks i can't do that calculation in my head but basically what is it add 32 and times it by two or something or times it by two and add 32 it's one of the two gets you a uh. ballpark uh anyway it was like mercilessly hot and humid down there <laughs> and i'm complaining about the heat and she's complaining about the cold it was great um Let's see, John Doe, the past couple of weeks, I've been cooking on an open fire much more. I find it much more enjoyable. 100%. This is also the time of year where, even up here, we enjoy a fire um, all year round. Like, don't get me wrong. We don't get the temperatures you guys get down there in Florida during the summer. A hot day here for us is like, well, now I'm going to have to look it up. It's like 30 degrees with the humidity. We very rarely get higher than that, though we have had spells where it's been like 40 with the humidity out there. Um let's see yeah it's still about 100 fahrenheit yeah 37 is 40 degrees is 104 fahrenheit and that's including the humidity on our end you know what i mean a hot day for us let's say is 28 it's like 82 degrees fahrenheit and to be fair you rarely get those temperatures at night at night it still drops below you know your room temperature your your standard temperatures so it is cool enough for a fire at night pretty well year round up here um yeah i'm just trying to think uh john doe says it's 51 degrees there tonight uh here just for example it's about 27 fahrenheit which is about minus two minus three celsius and we're in november and i mean we barely got the heat on so that gives you an idea you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. um anyway yeah so like i said just a quick blurb on fire Get the juices flow and realize the seasons are changing. Your fire kit from the summer may not be adequate for the winter months or at least the more humidity and colder weather. Uh, now, that being said, hopefully some of you folks jumped on here to talk about some Black Friday deals. Now, uh, Dave was just mentioning that he noticed on Amazon the Black Friday stuff is items that he already has. No specialty bushcraft items that he needs, which is you know, you're going to find that depending on your level of involvement in this. Uh, much like me, I didn't find a whole lot of great deals on Amazon for stuff I needed, but I found a lot of great deals on stuff that I may buy for somebody else. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be just kit gear. Like it doesn't have to be part of your kit. It can be clothing. A lot of bushcrafters underestimate or short themselves on clothing. You know what I mean? A good pair of bush pants and a long sleeve shirt go a long way to somebody that plays in the woods, even during the warmer months. Like, I don't go in the woods that often wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Well, t-shirt, yes. Shorts, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm always in long sleeves, regardless of temperature. 
or sorry, long pants. I mean, we picked up a few things in the last couple of weeks, and it's the Black Friday and the pre-Black Friday sales. And one of the things we picked up, uh, thermal underwear. Yeah. You know? Good price on some gloves and stuff that we found. Um, and, I, and I think maybe, because in the past, we have actually put a lot of actual links to stuff that we think you should buy. But maybe this year, I would suggest, although we can do a little bit of that, I really think we should concentrate on ideas that you might want to be looking towards. And I'm much with you because when we include the items, and we've always said this, that's just a couple of us. It's our opinions. You know what I mean? For what it's worth. I like the idea better. Yeah. So what is it the bushcrafter in your your life is looking for? What are the things they're always looking for? And I think there's a few subjects that we can probably say... Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to always be looking for a new thing for that. And one of them, what we started today, is fire. New and interesting ways to start fire, new better lighters or lighting techniques. Uh, so there's a ton of things out there, waterproof matches, um, the plasma thing we mentioned earlier. There's a ton of things out there related to fire. We're all into fire. It's, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's a problem for sure. Uh, you know what? I'm going to offer up a suggestion on this topic simply because a lot of people want to get into primitive fire and nobody knows where to start. You want to know what a great primitive fire is for somebody to start on? You can check this on many different places. Flint and steel. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a great way to start on primitive fire. Um, it, it's not too consumable which a lot of the other methods are, like you have to keep renewing it. A good piece of flint and steel will do you a very long time. Not to mention uh, a lot of the kits are going to come with, you know, a bag or a can or something to carry all this stuff in. And it works yeah. off char cloth, which a lot of them will include a little bit, but that's pretty easily made. You know what I mean? And it's a great stepping stone into primitive fire for people because not only does it give them the idea off using the flint and steel, but now they got to make their char cloth and stuff out of some old rags and a can at home, which gives them more experience and it may make them a little more appreciative of it or they may enjoy it a little more. Uh, flint and steel is one of my favorite primitive methods, in all honesty. I know there's a lot more primitive methods because, you know, you need the steel, which isn't primitive. You didn't pull that out of the ground, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, what you got there? So this was, I it was a brand name one, but... It was a tin that came with one of those forever matches. There's the one with the hex. Um, but the tins that a lot of this stuff comes with, that's like the secret little thing. It's great for making your, your char cloth with. Do I have so, it in here? I sure do. You want to know what I love to make char cloth in, man? The tin's good. But you can find these at almost uh, Irving's a, a gas station up here, folks. Uh, also called Circle K and things like that. But check your local gas stations. You get these tins, if my lights will focus in on this a little bit, you get these tins yep. of candy. And literally, it's like $3.99. Stickers on the back. The candies are basically solid sugar. Like, this is yep. diabetes in a can. Don't get me wrong. It's delicious diabetes in a can. But I got like eight of these tins floating around because I picked up a whole bunch of them on sale. And I was giving them away as gifts to my bushcrafting yep. friends. And I was always getting the, well, why are you giving me a tin of candy? I'm like, well, the candy is the second part. It's the tin that I'm actually giving you. And then, well, why are yeah. you giving me a tin can? Because this is great. These cans, much like the Altoid tins and stuff like that, you can make kits out of these tins. You can put an 100%. entire fire kit in there, or you can make char cloth, or whatever, right? Yeah. 
other things, uh, the cans that pellets come in, like for pellet guns. Yep. Things like that. Any purely metal can that can be reclosed, you know, puncture a little hole in it so the smoke can get out and you can make char cloth. If you don't puncture the tin, you just have it as a tin. It's a great thing to put some needles some threads um, and stuff like that. And uh, if you want to make something that's really from the heart, I think that's probably a good caveat. Make a little survival kit or a little bushcraft kit. You know, put a small cheap knife in there. Put a, a razor blade. Put a little bit of string. Put a couple of hooks, some needles, some thread, um, tiny pair of scissors, all kinds of stuff you can get that'll fit in a small container like that that's useful in the woods. And uh, your bushcrafter in your life is going to love it. And mm -hmm. if you're a bushcrafter yourself, you're going to love making these. You can make them, give them to your friends and stuff. You take someone camping for the first time, you give them this little thing that's just a handful of stuff you probably picked up at the dollar store and a few other spots. Um, I'm going to say that Lee Valley, if you're looking, does sell some bulk products over the time. Like They, they used to be able to buy a whole bunch of little tiny, tiny knives from them mm -hmm. and other little odds and ends. You can make a, a bunch of kits and grab that stuff and throw in there. Great stuff. Awesome ideas. Yeah. If, you want, if you're crafty if or... It, how about this? If you're a bushcrafter looking for gifts to give to other people, you can share yeah. your hobby, much like Ben said. Make up little survival kits. Tell them to throw them in the cubbyhole of their car or glove box or whatever you folks around the world call it. We call it a cubbyhole here in Nova Scotia. Mm, well, yeah. I call it a cubbyhole here in Nova Scotia anyway. But the glove box. Fire that in your glove box and you're never without. You know what I mean? A couple of waterproof matches, like Ben said, some fishing lines, a, a sewing kit, some needles. Big they lighter. may not use it to go in the woods, but I can guarantee you they will grab this kit and use something out of it. Especially the yeah. needle and thread. It's highly underrated how much a needle and thread oh, man. Need sewing kits. is needed. Sewing kits are great. You can pick them up relatively cheap all over the place. And, uh, yeah, throw them throw them in as you go. Um, let's see. What else do every bushcrafter want? We are all also obsessed with flashlights and lighting. Okay, I'll save that one for a moment. Yeah, flashlights and lighting, headlamps, uh, flashlights, candles, lanterns, depending on your, you know, how much you want to spend. That can be anywhere from a dollar to several hundred dollars, depending on who you're buying it for. You know what I mean? Uh, and I can guarantee you, I have like 20 flashlights sitting in a drawer out there. And if somebody gave me another one, I'd still be excited. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have a little ammo can full. It's not a little, it's a bigger ammo, ammo box and it's full of lighters. And, uh, I mean, I have my favorites. I pull out frequently, but oftentimes when I'm going, or especially with the kids, I'll give them some of the cheaper, less, less prized ones. And if they damage or lose them, I'm not too worried, but yeah, a good, good EDC style light. Um, especially something that fits in your pocket. You can go out anywhere with. I mean, there's, there's high No, I am not can... sponsored by O-Light. I wish I was. You got one yeah. there too, Ben? Well, I have the, the pre-run uh, two. And, I mean, ridiculous. It, it acts as a headlight, a headlamp, because it comes with this cool thing. But it really is. And if I turned it on, I'd blind you guys completely. But, uh, yeah, like, two taps and it goes into turbo mode and it's like 2000 or something 
Lumels. Like I said, that that's uh, I think this is actually listed as a, a S2R, S2R baton too. Uh, o light, yeah. but honestly, this this light, as you can see, compared to the size of my hand, it's not a big light. It fits in your pocket. This goes with me ninety percent of the times if I'm leaving the house for any reason. It just slips into my pocket. I actually do have a pouch for it, but I mean, I consider that an EDC flashlight. And like Ben said, these things are great, and O lights are anyway. Just once again, we're not sponsored by O light. We just both happen to have one. You can get on these like these very dim modes, which. Um, I can shine on my hand it's like not a light lot of light coming out of my hand but i think on this ultra dim mode or whatever you want to call it the um the runtime is like 65 hours on a charge yeah <laughs> it's something ridiculous anyway so yeah a good flashlight you know every bushcrafter should have one anyone who spends any time in the woods should have a decent flashlight you never know when you'll get caught out in the dark or you'll need light for something um it's hard to depend on the one on your phone or other options, but yeah, get yourself. It's good to have a dedicated device for lighting, and I highly recommend a decent flashlight. Um, that saves your flashlight in your phone or whatever. It saves that so you can dedicate that stuff to other things. Um, yeah, so... Just a quick honey. thing in the comments before I move on, because I don't want to miss it. We got Nomad. Uh, he likes to use shoe polish tins for a fire kit because yeah. they have a lever to help open it after firing, meaning once you burn these cans off a little bit, they have a tendency That's to a good stick. Point. Yeah. It's a good point. I got a bunch of them, too. <laughs> I never thought of it. It's a brilliant idea. And I'm like, mm, I got a couple almost empty cans. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, no. I guess this is actually... Um, this is mink oil dubbing, but uh, same kind of deal. Like, literally any can, folks. This is literally dubbing for my boots. Yeah. If this can empties out, there's another can that's going to go into the bin of uh, bushcrafting supplies. Never throw these cans out. No. 100%. Um, yeah, so, you know, a good flashlight. Yeah. Um, what else are we always looking for? Knives. Uh, you don't have to spend a lot on a knife. Uh, me and you, I, I happen to be, and this was not for the show. This is just me because I play with knives, um, which sounds horrible. Um, this I bought for $10 at Canadian Tire. Is that a buck knife? A, a little black handled the, buck folding buck, knife? I, I have the exact call, one. Yeah, they call it the Knightsman. They go on sale all the time. They have another set there. Um, I seen them the other day. A two-pack, one serrated, one's not. For 15 bucks right now um hard to go wrong with a decent knife something that fits in your pocket you can pull out i mean i this one here is just to the point now where i can open and close it without a thought and it it's it's almost a part of me i carry a lot of knives uh anyone who knows me knows that um knives are are always in my possession that's what um, Nomad just said. He's like, I have plenty of knives, including Mora's, but I wouldn't complain about another one. That's the exact <laughs> thought process to every bushcrafter. Yeah, I got knives, but one more wouldn't hurt. <laughs> um, if if you're not sure of a knife to go with, here is one that I find you cannot go wrong with. Uh, and it's not the cheapest knife. It's actually probably one of the more expensive ones. But a good Swiss Army knife, you cannot lose. Um, oh, man. They're valuable. Any kind of a multi-tool. Swiss Army knife being, you know, 
really high up on that list, but literally... But this, this little one life. here, I carry, I mean, it's always on my person. I never go without my Swiss Army knife. It's out all the time, and it has so much in it. It has corkscrew, it has a toothpick, which I use a lot. It has tweezers, uh, it has all, it has a couple of blades. And it can, I can open can, cans. Um, I would go with one with a few more options than this particular one if I was to buy one again. But yeah, you cannot lose with a decent multi-tool, but especially a Swiss Army knife that fits in the pocket and you forget about it. Um, no, 100%. Any kind of knife, no bushcrafter is going to, you know, sneer at it. Another big one that's good, especially coming in cold weather and around the winter, some form of hand warmers. And you can either get these, uh, you know, these... These aren't the chemical ones. These are the air ones. You can get the chemical ones, or you can get something like this. Once again, uh, depends on what your spending limit is, but uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think you have one of these too, don't you, Ben? Uh, I have a different version. It's not a Zippo, but okay. I have one that runs solid fuel sticks. Um, but yeah, hand warmers, high on my list. Always have been, always will be. Um, you know... If you're out, especially with other people, and somebody gets cold, when they get cold, they can get miserable really quickly. It's something like that can change their mood like that. And if your hands get cold, you lose cold, you lose your dexterity, you lose your capabilities. Having a way to warm them up and continue on can be truly a lifesaver. Oh man, hundred uh, percent. Just I'm thinking about uh, just sitting in the hunting shack there a couple weekends ago. It got cold. I broke out some hand warmers. And it made the difference for me sitting like this to just, you know, I threw them in yeah. my gloves. Things were great. Yeah. Um, highly recommend it. Um, what else? Uh, I was just reading some of the comments here. Red Bear Tactical. Those Zippo hand warmers are great for drying out your boots at night. Never even thought of that. And Nomad, yeah. almost off my hand warmers go directly to my wife. <laughs> you know what it's not just for you i mean once again heed the warnings on here and depending on age these are great for kids and stuff too if they're out there playing in the winter especially if they got the mittens that are built for them they have a little uh, pocket that keeps them separated from coming directly on the skin because these can get fairly warm um and that, that i mean they're just a great option all the way around not uh electric can warmers are another big one i got a set of those coming in from amazon they were on a black friday sale it's the two that you put together so it makes one big charge bank that you can charge your phone off or they break yep. apart and it becomes two hand warmers it was like 30 bucks yep. i've i've had electric ones too they work good there's now a a big push on tiktok youtube all these social medias there's a company selling uh, a vest that's heated. That's apparently really good. I haven't tried it. I don't know. But you you hook a, hook, a power supply to it, and you're supposed to be able to go. If one guy, Coach, I think his nickname is on TikTok. He, he's, he owns some kind of store down in the States and does a lot with, for the Appalachian Trail. He, he went out on a cold day, like a freezing day, and he said he was warm and just the best. He was very excited with this. Yeah, so. a, a guy in my fire department, he has one of those heated vests. Yeah. And that's basically what he wears for the winter, is like just a thin coat, something to break the wind off his arms, and this heated vest, and he is good year-round, according to him. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that, but yeah, anything that keeps you warm, obviously... Um, 
gloves, coats, jackets. But there's so many things out there. We're not going to tell you what to buy. Um, a good bushcrafter is, you know, the person who spends the time out is always looking for good clothing. And if they can find something that, that goes a little bit above and beyond, definitely looking for those things. And you don't have to spend a good deal of money on this, folks. Like, we are giving some higher cost items, potentially. But honestly, the Dollarama here in uh, Nova Scotia, I've gone there and bought, like, a good portion of my spring camping gear. Things like the Mywire shelters, the ponchos, there's waterproof matches sometimes. You can get the fishing line and some hooks. Like, you, especially if you were going to do the idea that we said about making little kits for people, a lot of the stuff you can gather up from the dollar store, which nothing's worth a dollar at the dollar store anymore, but it's still cheaper than going to a big box mart to pay for some of the stuff, or should be. I'm not going to say it always is, but it should be. Uh, so, another good option for folks out there that most bushcrafters are going to really appreciate. Um, any kind of, like, water treatment ideas, you know what I mean? Uh, that, yes. once again, is generally where a lot of outdoors people are going to cut a few costs. They'll be like, oh, I'll just bring my water in with me. But we've said this before on other shows, water takes up a lot of bulk and a lot of weight. So something like this, you know what I mean? $30 option, does 150,000 gallons. That's a lot easier to throw in my pocket than four liters of water. Uh, or the disinfecting tabs, or... I mean, not just this type of filter. There's different filters. Life straw, that's a good one. Any kind of water treatment or filtration system, nobody's going to turn that down. You know what I mean? I have a couple of these, and if somebody was to give me another one, I'd be like, right on. I'm going to use that. <laughs> and I remember before you even used the Sire Mini, and you were a little hesitant at one point. <laughs> I was. I was the guy. I always said, oh, I'll just boil my water. You know what I mean? And I did that for a long time. Until I got to sell your mini. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is awesome. And it is. And I was similar at one point too, right? Like getting a good filter, it, it really does open up a lot of avenues for you. And I highly recommend it. It is a good thing um, for sure. Yeah. Um, other things. If you want to start looking for other things, anything that's in the navigation. So... Compasses, GPSs, um, the Garmin InReach, which we've talked about this year. Um, I have like a smartwatch that has some navigation capability in it. These are, are slightly bigger ticket items sometimes. Uh, but yeah, maps. Yeah. yeah, Garmin maps is what I was just about to say. Like even the new maps will work, generally work on these older model uh gps is like i got this gps back in 2006 or something like that it's still my go-to and man if somebody wants to pay for my yearly subscription to any of the mapping programs i have uh <laughs> i am very interested in that as a as a christmas gift and, and to anyone out there <laughs> i think you're right. asking the wrong uh, crowd there bud we'd all like some <laughs> but yeah anything with uh, navigation so we are at 40 minutes, uh, just a couple things. So if you're looking for places to potentially get ideas, some of the companies we've already talked about here tonight, like Amazon, it's a surefire. You can go on there and you can scroll through pages and pages and pages of stuff. The problem with Amazon is you got to make sure you're getting a good deal. So some of the things you have to compare against other companies, uh, Camel, 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 
That's a site that Ben and I both use that'll show the price of something to see if this massive sale they're putting something on is actually a sale or if they inflated the price a month before just to drop it for this month. Because you got to realize a lot of these things are being sold from independent people and they'll retailers play their games. You know what I mean? So Amazon's hey. always there. But other companies, MEC, MEC, Mountain Equipment Company, uh, it's got a lot of big Black Friday sales on right now and it's selling things. Uh, they have the Garmin stuff on. Uh, and some other navigation stuff on there too, like big discounts on some of that stuff. They got clothes, they got uh, tents, sleeping bags, cook stuff, a lot of stuff hitting their Black Friday sales. Uh, another store that comes to mind that I check for a lot of stuff, and I talk to, to you about this all the time too, Ben, it's either Cabela's here in Canada or Bass Pro down in the States, whichever way you want to look at it, same company. In all yeah. honesty, I think Bass Pro owns Cabela's. It's just the Canadian variant of it. But anyway, another company that has a lot of big ticket items on really good sales, including sleeping bags, tents again, uh, a lot of electronics. When I say electronics, I mean like hunting, navigation, uh, you know, things more tailored towards outdoorsy stuff. Um, they do have, of course, depending on who you're buying for, you know, if you have a hunter or something like that, they'll sell ammo and a few other things that are related to hunting and things like that because they are, you know, a hunting store first and foremost. But there's a lot of stuff there and it, it kind of condenses it down to being all outdoorsy gear. You know what I mean? You can't really go wrong with some of that stuff. Uh, another company that uh, Red Bear Tacticals mentioned there and I had on my list as well is Olight themselves. The company about the flashlight that I was talking about there. They're, they have a lot of big ticket items on sale there. Uh, keep in mind, though, folks, even the sale prices on some of those flashlights could stagger you, but you're still saving a significant amount off the general cost of them, you know what I mean? Uh, here in Canada, Survival Gear Canada. SurvivalGearCanada.com. They got a Black Friday sale on right now, and literally it's in the name. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of other companies, too. I mean, when in doubt, just type in outdoors black friday sale into your search engine and you're going to start getting stuff coming up but those just happen to be ones i knew off off the top of my head because i've been keeping an eye on them because uh, a radio show i listen to in the morning has been hyping a lot of these up saying okay these sales are coming out soon so i've been keeping an eye on them and there is a lot of good sales now i do want to throw one thing out there and this is something we, we aren't going to be able to hit individual names but keep an eye out for your local outdoor stores that are are, are, are smaller stores um, the example I would probably go with for Nova Scotia just because I'm somewhat familiar with them was nachucks uh, yeah. but there are plenty of little companies out there that sell a lot of outdoor gear uh, by supporting those you're supporting your local people uh, and also when you have a problem these are the people that will really go above and beyond sometimes to help support you yeah Amazon's not bad. Uh, there's a lot of crap on Amazon and a handful of pretty good stuff, and you have to sift through it. A lot of these companies that are buying the smaller stuff, they have some really good products out there. Um, and then there's the higher-end places, which I consider, like Mech and REI and Lee Valley um, are ones that I find like they generally sell high-quality stuff. And With so you high-quality prices. <laughs> they are high-quality, but you don't go there and find a no-name brand stove. No. Like, they're a name brand stove, and you know that someone's going to stand behind that product. Everything you, you know buy from they're... Mech, for instance, yeah, reputable brand names. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's a brand name that's known, tested, has the backing. Yeah. And it's 
these are places that sell outdoor gear for outdoor gear people by outdoor gear people. And they, they'll tell you straight up in a lot of these stores, we know our products and we, and we stand behind them. We, we bought it because we think it's a really good product. Um, I'm not saying there's not diamonds in the rough out there. And we've had good luck with companies through like Amazon. Um, that we've bought products from and used for years and been very happy with it. Just know that there's also, and I'm not even going to say it's Chinese, but just cheap products produced in mass for the masses um, that maybe the extra cure wasn't put into and maybe won't hold up quite as long as you'd expect. Another place to hit up, just like John Doe saying here, he said military surplus sites or Army-Navy surplus is what we got here in Eastern Canada, which is the same thing, honestly, folks. But they're local yeah. places. They'll buy a lot of this on surplus, take it in. Uh, I know the one in Halifax, you know, literally the Army-Navy surplus store that's down on, uh, what is it, Greco Street? Yeah. In any case, the, the stuff they take in, they actually sift through it and look through it, and they usually put out the more quality items. You do get some duds. That's every store. But generally, they're they're pretty good with it. Uh, Red Bear saying the Trapper Gourds out in uh, Debolda, Alberta, and Barton's in Grand Prairie, Alberta, is also good stores to check out if you're in that neck of the woods. A little far away from me. That's a little bit more of a, <laughs> you know, that that that's like an over a weekend trip. <laughs> yeah, but no, check out some local places. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff out there. I think we've given some ideas. Um. But uh, if, if, if in doubt, you could always look, was it the, the five C's? Containers, cooking, cutting, portage, cover? Cover. Basically shelter somehow. Shelter. Uh, that might be a something, you know. Like nobody's going to, no, nobody that spends time in the woods is going to turn their nose up on a decent quality tarp or, or some kind of other shelter, be it a tent or ha hammock system. Again, these things tend to be a little on the higher end, but you can buy a usable hammock for 30, 40 bucks. You can buy a good one for a hundred and something. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I know that I knew it was combustion. I don't know if you heard me mutter it under my breath, but that was the fifth C was combustion. <laughs> but I think you said that Ben, did you? That's so. I don't know. Anyway, five C's are cooking, cordage, combustion, cover, Oh man, now anyway. Container. Container, <laughs> isn't it? What is it? I've heard some people say it's container, which is usually like your your cook pot, cook pot or whatever. I well, could now be I'm off. curious. I know it has something to do with water. Cutting combustion cover containers and cordage. So containers yeah. for water, whatever. I knew it had something to do with water. The big things are water, fire, food, shelter. You know what I mean? And clothing. But, uh, yeah, I, I think a good topic for the day. Uh, you know, like we've always said, get out there and have fun. Um, I know, I'm sure you've bought some stuff already this year. One thing we really got into this year to purchase was uh, hiking poles. Yeah, and I've seen some of the ones you had there. I have bought a handful of stuff this year. I'm going to be honest, this has not been a good year for new gear for old Roberto. Too many changes going on in the home front, and I just didn't have yeah. the time I would have liked to have put into it. Uh, but next year, I'm starting to get a little nest egg saved up there. Come spring, man, there's going to be some good stuff floating around. Yeah. Hopefully. I think I'll be buying next less theory next year, but using the gear I bought this year more next year. Hopefully. So. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, I anyway. think that's good for tonight. We're coming up on 50 minutes. We rambled a little bit. Uh, last thing I want to bring up on related to the last two topics, we already talked about this before, and I'm just going to bring it up at the end of every show until some people start getting back to us. We're still waiting on people to get back to us for the digital campfire idea. Nomad, I know you've gotten back to us. You're on the A-game, bud. We have you right at the top of the list. We're still looking for a handful of other people, but hopefully from our regular commenters here that would like to come out and do the digital campfire for us. And if you're wondering what the digital campfire is, I suggest you go back and listen two episodes ago at the end of it. We kind of described it. But the gist of it is we just want to get a bunch of us thrown into some sort of meeting software, maybe have a few adult beverages, and we're going to throw a topic down and just talk about it, like a couple of folks around a campfire, in all honesty. So if you're interested in something like that, once again, reach out to us. Uh, it doesn't have to be on a Wednesday night at 9 o'clock like we normally do here. We can try and make something that works for everybody. It's just an idea that Ben and I have talked about since we started Atlantic Bushcraft. And here we are at, like, what, almost 250 episodes? And we're still trying to find... <laughs> we still want to do it. <laughs> Could even be a Sunday night. Yeah, be any... Like, we will work on a time and date that works for anybody that is interested that wants to come in. And, I mean, this can be anyone, folks. You don't have to be from here in Atlantic Canada. Shoot us a message and wherever you're from. If we can make it work, we can make it work. The things we use, uh, we have, we could use Google Meet. We got Teams. Uh, what's the other one? I can, I can never Zoom. remember the name of it. Zoom. We can do it all. <laughs> a meeting. Microsoft Meet or whatever it is. Or no, I guess it's Microsoft Teams. I, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, we have access to a couple of different ones there. So Google Meets. Google Meets, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and there's still one Skype. more. There's four big ones. We used Skype for a while, too. Skype. That was the other one. Thank you very much. Uh, so, and honestly, folks, a lot of these are available to tune in to us if you just want to join us. Free of charge for you. Uh, for us hosting, we may have to pay a little bit, you know, depending on how many people we have in there. But I think both Ben and I have access that we could probably make that happen pretty easy. So, yeah, if you're interested in that, reach out to us. Go to AtlanticBushcraft.ca, shoot us a message, Google us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. You can find us pretty much anywhere at this point. Get a message to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get this idea up and running, folks. And I'm still holding tight. That our first episode is going to be about the Mandela effect. <laughs> oh, bud, that's going to be a glass of scotch night, and the you know the old tinfoil hats coming back. On. Very good. Hopefully, I can do it from the cabin because I just picked up a thing of rum from Costco. <laughs> <and> holy cow! <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's it for me tonight. Like Ben said, get out there, get dirty, have some fun, play safe. Let us know about it. We love to hear your stories. Take care, all. Bye. Bye, folks.